right out of the gate, like you learn, you don't feel sorry for yourself, like at any point in time. And you also like have a sense of like internal competition. So it's like, oh, that guy's doing that. And I was like, I think I can do that too. And it's just like, if you can't, like then now you're just striving just to prove to yourself that you can do that or you can beat that guy. stories from Lyman, aspiring Lyman, and others who work in the industry. Now here are your hosts, David Powell and PJ Nardi. Welcome to the Lyman Country Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, David Powell. And I'm PJ Nardi. And we are joined here with Zachary Omensauer. Is that right? Yes, sir. Did I get it right? Yes. <laughs> All right. So Zachary is uh, enrolled our electrical line worker program, Southeast Lineman Training Center. Um, Zach, why don't you start off by telling our audience a little bit about yourself, a little history. So I'm currently in the Marine Corps out on Skillbridge to be here. I'm from New Hampshire. And um, yeah, I had a lot of friends come to this school and they all recommended it to me. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'll give it a shot. These guys all came here right after high school while I was away, but um, they had a great time. Like everybody had nothing but good things to say. So I was like, you know, what? I'll look into it. And then I got here and I can completely agree. But yeah. Zach, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, that's awesome. When, when will you be getting out? Um, my Six end of service is um, August 28th. August 28th. Okay. Um, and your friends or, or actually other service members, is that correct? That had told you about the school or friends? Uh, no, the friends that I went to high school with. Okay. I have friends that I did serve with that are also here. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So the word of mouth came from friends that graduated from the program and went to work out in the industry. Yes. That's awesome. Are they all back up in the Northeast? Uh, yes. Okay. So August 28th, what, what happens after that? What's your game plan? You, uh, you guys are you're winding down here. You're getting towards the end. You got night training, and it's really after that breaking stuff down, rodeo graduation. Yeah, I mean by August 28th, I'm hoping to be working. Yeah. So, so like, what's what's that going to look like? Like we got something lined up. You going back to New Hampshire? Uh yes. So okay. after this, um, I'll be going to Missouri with the fiance. Grab a whatever I have there. Cause like most of my stuff got sent there and then I'm heading home. Yeah. Yep. From there, start working, um, go back to my cousin for a little while, help him out while I'm like in the application process with, uh, the company I'm working with. And then after that, it's hopefully I'm up in the bucket. Yeah. So you said you have some buddies working are in the trade right now. Yes. Where are they currently working? Uh, Chimbro. Okay. Yeah. And all of them work for Chimbro. Oh, is that right? Yes. Is that the game plan for you or? Yeah. You, okay. Are they on the transmission side of Chimbro? No, distribution. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I know they're doing a lot of work up there. They they come down quite a bit to recruit. And um, yeah, that's that's exciting. So the fiance, have you guys, um, you guys have a date set as well? Uh, yes. Awesome. It'll be 
April of this uh, next year. Yeah, a lot of life changes coming up for Zach here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everything's going real fast. That's awesome. You taking? Hope you take some time to pause and enjoy it while you're while you're going through it. Um, so you enlisted in the Marine Corps. How many years have you been in? Four. Four years. Okay. So. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up? What, what was that like for you and what kind of led you to some of those decisions, Marine Corps and, and so forth? So I was always really interested with the, like the armed forces. So I was like, when I was little, I was like, oh, I want to be a Navy SEAL. Like I want to work for the CIA, like all these different things. And then I found out like the, the road to those different things. And I was like, that's just way too much. So I did a little more like looking into it and the Marine Corps is like what I came up with. So once I got through high school, I was about a month later, I was, I was gone. I was in boot camp, and then, but um, no, growing up, it was, it was interesting. So it was, uh, my parents got divorced when I was really little. And I think that was probably one of like the biggest like life-changing moments. Cause it was like, when you're little, like you just like, that's your whole world. And then everything went multiple different ways. And so, uh, living with my, uh, mom, we went to my grandparents' house for a little bit. So about a year there and, uh, my grandparents taught me like, like everything that I know in my opinion. And, um, my grandpa was a firefighter for 31 years. So it was like all just hands-on stuff. So it was just like construction and everything like that. And so growing up, me and my cousin were really, really close. So we started a landscaping business together and that was like, all right, I'm not ever going to do an office job. It's like, it's trades all the way. So from there, uh, well, after the military, obviously, but um, from there I went in and I got out. And so I went to trade school in high school. I uh, dipped my fingers in uh, the HVAC industry a little bit. Oh yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, the electrical portion of that was quite difficult, but then all my buddies came here and they started talking about it. So I was like, all right, I'll look into that a little more. How old were you when you started landscaping business? Well, the business itself, yeah. we were probably about like 16. Yeah, um, that's awesome. But we've been doing it since we could touch the pedals on a mower. It started with like just a neighbor's yard on either side of uh, my cousin's house. And then it was to the point where we was like, Gramps, can you drive us across town to go do this? Because we so, couldn't drive at that point. So that was in New Hampshire? Yes. So born and raised? Yep. And... Uh, you know, as far as family, going back to that, um, PJ and I both, we come from a uh, divorced family. So um, how was that? Is like, did your mom, did your mom ever remarry? No. Okay. And then like from like with your dad, do you still have a relationship with him? I do. Yes. Okay. So how was that? How was that separation or how was that relationship kind of, obviously they, they divorced and did you maintain a good, really just see him a lot? Was yeah. This, okay. Yeah. So um, it was like. I guess you could say like the standard split custody. Right. So like it started out with like every other weekend and then like they kind of started to like calm down a little bit. Tensions lowered. Right. And then it was like, I got to go over to my dad's house like every weekend. And so like, it was a good, it's like split. So like, I obviously had to stay during the week with my mom because of school and things like that. But like dad was still around. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar situation. I mean, my, my parents weren't, my mom got remarried. So, um, my stepdad and my mom raised me got to see my dad quite a bit but the, as far as relationship wise they, they had a maintained a really good relationship you know it worked together well and figured out how we could 
still spend time together with the kids and stuff like that. So yeah, that's good. And as far as like, um, you know, career path or anything like that, did your mom, your, your dad speak grand grandparents, did they speak into that at all? Like what you wanted to do or kind of direct you? Um, my dad was actually, my dad and I are polar opposites when it comes to the career. So, um, him and my mom were both um like data analysts kind of thing like all they did was like they worked in the cube farm with the computers and all that and i was like i can't i can't do it i'll go stir crazy (laughs) so um when me and my cousin started doing our little thing like he was like yeah it's good for like now but you gotta he he was all about he wanted me to go to college and all this kind of stuff and i was like dude i was like have you not noticed that school is not really my forte so um when I told him I wanted to join the military, he was like, all right, yeah. And both him and my grandpa sided against me on that one. They were like, yeah, I joined the air force. Cause you know, like you get all the niceties and, yeah. um, <laughs> standardly, you know, you're a lot smarter than the rest of the branches. You get all the cool tech. And I was just like, same thing. I was not about it. So once I got in, I was like, I was in the infantry for four years and I, I got my fair share of being outside. Um, Man, that's a great work ethic, though, to even want to start a business or be working outside. Where where would you say that that came from? I mean, it sounds like both, even though your parents were, you know, working desk jobs, dude, that's that's there's no joke to stay focused and stay in it. Uh, that takes a different work ethic, right, than than being outside. But can you who contributed to that work ethic in you? Uh, it was definitely like my grandpa and my um, my uncle. Okay. Um, my cousin Steve's dad. So it was just like i don't even know like my grandpa was like his story is like crazy to me you know like he did his four years in the air force and then it was just like struggle after struggle after struggle just trying to provide for like the three kids and it was like that work ethic i was like all right i saw that and then i saw like my mom struggle a little bit and then i was like i also noticed that most trades have a tendency to make like good good money you know like you don't if you have any sort of like um saving knowledge like you can you can stay afloat for a good you don't have to struggle too much and that was like that was what i wanted i was like trying to set myself up so that later on in life i don't have to deal with struggling whatsoever Hmm. yeah and that's one of the reasons we we have that financial literacy class for you guys it's it really is um it's a discipline just like anything else right like a work ethic is a discipline being able to put that money aside and, and know it's there and and not spend it but save it so you do have a little bit of a cushion or you, you do have a little bit of a security you know outside of trying to maintain paycheck to paycheck that's awesome so um sounds like your grandfather and your uncle were some great influences in your life um were they the primary ones or would you say there's any anyone else that really came alongside you at different stages and, and gave you some encouragement or gave you some wisdom to uh, no absolutely there, there was others um those were the two like when i was you know like knee high and a grasshopper type thing um once i started getting a little older and um one of my buddies stepdads um he was in the marine corps and he and i saw eye to eye on like a lot of things so like uh, we became very close and he taught me a lot and he also helped like prepare like all right yeah you're gonna need to know this that and the other thing for when you get in so i was like looking into that a lot so 18 rolls around how's that process you you committed you in your mind you were like marine corps where i'm gonna go kind of walk us through that process uh so 
when I was 17, I was talking to the recruiters and they were like, yeah, if you get your parents permission, like you can sign now and then you'll have a set date and everything once you're 18. And my mom wouldn't do it. So I had to wait. And then, yeah, it was like maybe a couple weeks after my 18th birthday, I was back in the recruiting station. I was like, all right, which dotted line do I have to sign on? And I signed that. Uh, I was in what's it called the delayed entry program. I was in that for like nine months and my ship date was July 29th, 2019. East coast or West coast? East coast. East coast. Okay. How did mom feel about that? Uh, <laughs> well, when she found out about it, she was like, no, I'm proud of you for like, oh, you know, good. like fulfilling what you wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, when the date rolled around, like the tears started rolling oh, yeah. the same. And every time that I came home or she got to see me, it was the same thing every time I have to leave. Cause like, you know, sometimes it's six months and I haven't been in the state of New Hampshire in two years. Wow. Yeah. So some time overseas as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did two UDPs. Uh, I went to Japan for my first one. I stayed there the entire six months. And then, um, my second time around, I went there and then I went to the Philippines for a little while. And that, that's, that's ironic, isn't it? East coast Marine who's spending their time in the Western Pacific or Pacific Rim there. That's yeah. awesome. Um, did you, when you were in the Marines, did you uh, start thinking about, you know, Lyman School early in that? Or were, did you think you were going to have a career in the Marines? Or did you think that at one point you were going to transition out? And uh, Everybody starting out thinks they're going to do the, the 20. 20 yeah. And then you get your little taste. And I was like, all right, I guess like, I thought about reenlistment. And then I was like, no, nah, I don't really care to do this anymore. I enjoyed it. I really did. But there was just a lot of it that I just didn't agree with. So I was like, all right, time for a change. Is, is the, did the fiance play a part in that at all? Uh, not particularly. Okay. She was in the army, actually. Okay. And um, that's how we met because we were both stationed in Hawaii. Yeah. But um, talk about a great place to be. Yeah. Hawaii. Gosh. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kaneohe, right? Yes. Kaneohe, yeah. Yep. Um. I'm sorry. I so, lost so you met fiance. Yeah, Hawaii. She was, yeah. She's in the army. She's in the um, army. You're in Hawaii. Right. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a blur. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'd pause there too for a second. Uh, once I started, like, I think it was probably like around my three year mark. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm getting out. And um, what I had done was before I got in, like the trade school that I had gone to, like I had started talking to companies to work for once I graduated there. And so, like, they were all like, oh, you're going to the Marines? Like, here's my card. Call me when you get out. Um, the guys that I worked for um, bef- while I was in high school, like, I was just trying to stack up jobs. So that way, like, all right, plan A, that doesn't work out. I got plan B, C, D, E. And that was, like, my mindset. And then all my buddies were telling me, like, how much they liked school here and then how much, like, they enjoyed what they did once they got jobs outside of here. And I was like, okay. I'll look into that a little more. And then they were sending me pictures and stuff. And I was like, yo, th- all right, this is what's up. I'm yeah. going to go do that. Yeah. Did any of your, so none of your, your buddies that came through here, they, they, did they come in right out of high school? Most of them? Uh, yeah. Most yeah. of them, they like graduated and then they were here like a couple classes afterwards. Yeah. What's crazy is like 50% or more of our, our students are word of mouth. So it's, it's situations just like that where, guy's out working telling his buddies hey i'm loving what i'm doing loving the company i'm working for making good money whatever whatever it is um 
you know, just sharing that information and saying, Hey, you got to do this. Um, and it, you know, as well as I do, you've seen, you've probably been this class of summer class. We've had our highest dropout rate probably well ever, ever. Yeah. Um, and it's just not for everybody. Sounds great. You know, it's attractive. You know, I work outside make a lot of money. Sounds exciting, but not everybody can do this. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I definitely enjoy this cause like it's, it's kind of like a puzzle, you know, like you see what is wrong, but you have to go find why it's wrong. Yeah. So that's like, that's the part I like about it. So will your fiance, is she going to be uh, staying in, in the army or will she be uh, transitioning out as well or what's? No, she actually, she got out before me. She did. Okay. Um, while I was on my second deployment, she got out about two months after I got there. So the goal is to go back to um, the Northeast, or are you looking for you know the best career position wherever it is in the country? Uh, no, the goal is to go back to New Hampshire. Okay, where's she from? Uh, she's from Missouri. Okay, yeah, it's a it's a little distance between the two. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to go share if you if you don't mind, I'd love to hear like the story. How'd y'all meet? How that all happened? So um, we had just got back from my first deployment. And she was friends with some of my seniors um, because, like, I think it was his girlfriend or something, and her were friends, and they met um, when he was stationed in um, Lejeune. And then he PCS to me, and then we became friends on deployment. And then when we got back, I was just hanging out with him, and they invited her over, and I was like, oh, wow, like, <laughs> she's pretty. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, I just I started talking to her and like we just kept hanging out more and more and it just one thing led to another. It was just like I wasn't looking for nothing either. It just kind of happened. And that's it was usually like, how it works. Yeah, yeah, that's why I like I think it was much better because yeah. it was not something that you go looking for. Yeah. What's she doing now that she's she's out of the military? She's a vet tech. Okay. Um, that's what she did in the army. Um, it was a little different there. She was in like the research side of. Um, being a vet, veterinary technician, um, whereas now she's like helping the actual the vet at the clinic that she works. That's awesome. It's it's interesting. We see so many line, and I was just talking with uh, with Curtis Stewart, who's you know he's over, over all the instruction here, and um, he was he's laughing. He says, "Yeah, you know, I was at the beach with my wife, who's a nurse. You know, he's a lineman. Um, my good friend, who's in electrical." with his wife she's a nurse it seems like medical whether you know veterinary or or um i, I guess or just regular nursing seems to be that trend where you, you the trades kind of meet up yeah um, i i have seen that a lot you, okay it's kind of funny how that works it's not uncommon um so you have to go back to base for a couple of months or for actually till the end of the month uh, i do not oh you don't okay no, they uh, they worked with me because um, I put in a 30-day extension to be able to come here uh, on Skillbridge. And so uh, when my contract, or when I'm done here, I immediately transition over into terminal leave. Now, is, is Skillbridge pretty widely understood in the military? I mean, it seems like the transition offices are the ones that help you understand that a little bit more. Yeah, so it's like, it's kind of a new thing. So most commands don't know much about it okay um your transition readiness 
areas they are the ones that will like help you out the most and yeah i was i was running all over the base trying to like hey do i need your signature do i need this signature what do i need and it was, it was a bit hectic but like it was just something that i really wanted and i and i did everything i could to figure it out would you help out help us out and any veterans that might listen, be listening to the podcast explain to them exactly what skill bridge is and kind of how how it works i mean at least for the marines for you with the marines so SkillBridge is an opportunity to not necessarily EAS six months early, but you go on PTAD, uh, which is a temporary assignment of duties. And so your point of place of duty is one of these um, SkillBridge approved companies or school. So most of the time it's designed for uh, apprenticeships or internships, if you will. and if you go on the SkillBridge website, it has a list of all the approved places that you can work or go to school at. And what you do is you get in contact with that company and then you talk to them. They have a SkillBridge representative. You'll work with them. They'll tell you what they need from you and then what you need to bring to your command or your uh, transition readiness program. Um, from there, uh, the transition readiness program will give you a massive packet and you have to fill it all out and then get the signatures. So your battalion commander has to sign off on it. You have to have endorsement letters and all this kind of stuff where it's like the chain, your chain of command has to approve you being to do it. So it's like, if you haven't exactly been the greatest Marine your entire career, your chances are not super high, but like they can't exactly like discriminate against you. But it's a it's a privilege. It's not a right. Not everybody can do this. Got it. That, I think that's awesome. Great description of it because we're always we're trying to explain that a lot of times to veterans, and they're looking at us like, explain that to me again. You know, how, how does this work? Who do I go talk to? Where do I start? Um, and I think that you know, you gave a great description of it right there, and some of the challenges of of the application process from the armed services to you know to the schools or to the internships. This podcast is brought to you by Elevated Gear. Elevated Gear is the one-stop shop for all things Lyman Country and Southeast Lyman Training Center. From high-quality shirts and hats to name brand sunglasses, tools, and more. Elevated Gear has everything you need. Stop by our store in Trenton, Georgia, or shop online at elevatedgear.com. What was the, um, you know, obviously 18, joined the Marines, uh, was a was a great fit for you what you're wanting to accomplish um, what was some what were some takeaways that you could share with us you know PJ and I were not we're not veterans so what were some takeaways that you could share with us that we you learned going through the Marine Corps uh, a lot of it's like it's like very personal stuff you know so like you learn like right out of the gate like you learn you don't feel sorry for yourself like at any point in time so it's just like and you also like have a sense of like internal competition so it's like oh that guy's doing that and i was like i think i can do that too and it's just like if you can't like then now you're just striving just to prove to yourself that you can do that or you can beat that guy like you can beat that guy's time and like there's a lot of competitiveness um like self-dependability like you can find that like you need to figure shit out on your own yeah yeah one thing you you be, uh, being attentive to detail. Yes, you know, it's one of the things that uh, having attention to detail and um, and and how critical that is 
in the trade. Because one thing we talk about a lot is safety, safety, safety. You just can't skip steps. And having that, you know, being kind of hardwired to have that attention to details, it's going to just help you in in this career path. You know, talk about a a lot of, uh, we've had some instructors that'll say they care as much about how, how the finished product looks than anything else. Like they want to make sure they don't want to just do the job. They want to complete just the task. They want to make sure it looks good uh, when the task is done. A lot of that comes down to doing the, doing the job, not just safely, but doing it in a way that's, you know, the cleanest, most effective, you know, way. Um, So I think that would, that'll go a long way in as far as in your career. Absolutely. And I, I think I got most of that actually from working with my cousin. Yeah. It was, um, we just strive to, cause starting out with the landscaping business, it's very hard because you're fighting all the other landscape businesses out there. And when you're just a teenager, it's very difficult. But, um, the way to do it was do the job as nice as you possibly can, but as effectively as you can as well. Mm-hmm. well that is something that I try to drill into my boys, you know, um, is just a, that attention to detail, doing the very best you can. And you're not, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes from here and there. I think as I've gotten older, I've actually, I get more focused on the details than probably when I was their age, less concerned about it. The older I got, the more it became important to me. So I don't know, but. So outside of um, school and outside of, Marine Corps, what do you what do you enjoy doing? What, what kind of hobbies do you have? Uh, I love fishing. Okay. I'm a very big like bass fisherman when I can find the time. Yeah. Um, I used to go in this one little spot in my town, but they got rid of it. But um, yeah, never I was give, like never give away your fishing spots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that like a pond, like a private pond or something? Uh, yeah. It was like it was small enough that you could throw a rock from one side to the other. Yeah. But they it had fish in it and they were yeah. big, so I was there all you the time. You can tell you some of the best places to catch big bass is at um on golf courses. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't think about that. If somehow you sneak out there and or get permission to fish in those ponds. Uh my dad is a fisheries biologist, so I worked with him some summers. We would go and, and do these pond checks and man, there are some massive bass in those ponds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they, um, there's something to be said about the chemicals and fertilizers that they're pumping yeah. in to, to grow that <laughs> yeah. grass <laughs> that those bass are eating. So have Definitely. you been, have you fished anywhere around here? Because this says, it says um, Lake Chickamauga, Lake Gunnersville. Uh, I have been fishing a few places around okay. here, not the bigger lakes, because like, I did go to the, um, the Lafayette Town Reservoir or City Reservoir. Okay. Um, but like, that's more stuff like, you'd be better off with a boat or like know somebody like, Hey, can I use your dock or something like that? We know you're not from around here because you hit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's still Lafayette. That's what they say. It's a Lafayette. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, that, and then, um, Crockett actually told me about, um, going down in Rome. There's like Heath Lake and, um, those like three lakes down there. I tried down there. I didn't get nothing though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's, like, like David said, um, getting out to Gunnersville, I mean, they have they have more fish tournaments out there, and and the big bass. You got another weed lines and all that. But. Yep, you do. But there are some monsters. Of course, summer class. I guess it's not ideal, and you got to have a boat. But you know, one of the things that I'll do is, 
Um, I'll, I'll get a guide. I don't have a boat. I'll pay a guide to take me out, fish a couple of days. Yeah. That seems, uh, all, you know, they have the boat, all the tackle, rods and reels, all the stuff, and um, have a good time. I know that's not, I'm probably not. He used to fish a lot more. Now it's a it's a time thing, and so uh, yeah, I just don't get out in the water as much. But um, that's it's a lot of good spots around here. So anything else? Primarily fishing, but any other hobbies? Yeah, um, water sports like uh, wakeboarding, tubing, okay. things like that. Okay. Um, jet skis, uh, things with motors, really like jet skis, sleds. Um, working on cars, like I like I kind of weird like i have like this i'm really good at puzzles so like i enjoy them so like i just try to get them bigger and better so like let's all right this is broken on my truck let's try and fix it before i go pay somebody else to do it yeah i mean that's how we learn right yeah that in a good youtube video (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah i'm like i'm the best youtube mechanic there is thank god for youtube absolutely (laughs) of course it gets more difficult depending on the kind of vehicle you have yeah sometimes i'm afraid to, to mess with anything but that's always a good thing. If you can find it on YouTube, some guy doing it, you're like, okay, I think I can, I think I can follow this instruction booklet, you know, like <laughs> step by step guide. Yeah. You can almost get, you know, you're making model, you know, on, you on some of these repairs yeah. too. It's, yeah. it's pretty wild. Like, yeah. It's, um, so graduation, like we said, is coming up in just a couple of weeks. Do you have some, uh, friends, family who's coming down? Uh, my mom and my fiance are going to come down. Okay. But yeah. That's awesome. Is um, is your fiance? She's good with New Hampshire. She's Midwest to Northeast. It's a big transition there. Yeah, she's um, she's like excited. She's a little nervous because like she doesn't know anybody or anything like that. And um, with the way things been, like the only person in my family she's met is my mom. But um, it uh, I think it's gonna be good for her because like she doesn't exactly like like Missouri. But she doesn't hate it either. Yeah. But she's like, I'm ready for a change. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful land up there. Yeah, absolutely. So your time here, uh, instructor, Greg Wicks, right? Yes. Yeah. How's that? How's that been? How's your experience? I obviously said I enjoy it, but if you could maybe say what's been your maybe the highlight thus far. Obviously, I'll say that we haven't had night training yet because that tends to be a a big, you know, winner for most people when the, the students, they, they love the fact that we're doing night training. But before that, like up to this point, like what has been something like a highlight for your school? Crane operation. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love playing with equipment. I say playing, but yeah. I shouldn't, but yeah, like excavators, cranes, uh, skid steers, all of it. Like I absolutely love it anything with a motor like if you just handed me a chainsaw and told me to get in the bucket i'd be like i'd be the first volunteer absolutely love that stuff so that's probably why you're able to get your cdl so easily right <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah i when we did the uh the crane day over at global i was having an absolute ball yeah yeah explain that um cdl is a challenge obviously for the limited time here but you know you did get your cdl kind of explain that maybe that process like how how was it for you or maybe could you share with um potential students that might be thinking about coming to sltc what what advice could you give them on the on this far as cdl is concerned 
uh, with your CDL, uh, I would say definitely, this is something I did not do, but I would definitely recommend to other people. Uh, your The packet they give you with the, the pre-trip inspection on it, like read up on it. Um, I know like most of it, you're probably not going to understand until you actually get your chance to go look at the truck and then explain what everything is. But if you already have that like knowledge of like what the items that you need to talk about are, it'll make life a lot easier. So that way you're not going there and you're like, oh, what's this thing called again? I can't remember. Because um, if you have all the verbiage down, all you have to do is remember what it looks like. And I think that visually that's a lot easier than trying to remember like a couple pages worth of words. So the longer you look at that packet, the easier it's going to get for you. And then um, for people who have not ever driven with a trailer, a truck and trailer, listen to what the instructors tell you. Um, the best thing I can like kind of equate that to is like when we do the shooting courses, if you have driven a truck and trailer your entire life, like, yes, you're a little more comfortable with it but you also probably have bad habits that are going to be hard to kick. So when the instructors are telling you how to do said backing movement, do exactly as you're told and it'll work a lot easier. Cause that was one thing that I definitely struggled with a little bit was the backing, which is hard, which was hard for me to swallow. Cause I was like, I've been backing up trailers my entire life, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's different. So yeah. listen to what they have to tell you and then you'll, you'll swing that thing anywhere. Yeah. 35 foot trailer versus a, you know, it's 16 foot trailers. It's significant, right? I mean, it's a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about Woodwalkers for Water? I see you've got the t-shirt on. How was that day for you? <laughs> that day was hot. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. hard. <laughs> I was like, man, this is, I was like, this is not a good decision at the moment, but I think it was rewarding. Um, like the cherry aspect of it was good. And then it's more experienced climbing, yeah. honestly. Like it was more for me i was like the more time i can get on the pole the better i'll be off yeah it's a it's an event that i i love the fact that you know you guys participate in that because um it is for a good cause and uh and just a willingness to do something that you've been trained you've been trained to do um and that is you know obviously building wells uh, and, and, and helping and impacting people that you're never going to meet. Um, and it's just one of the things that we <clears throat> at SLTC are, are implementing or trying to do. It's like, you know, let's think not just about ourselves, let's think about others, you know, and how can we impact the world around us? How we can make the world a better place. And so, um, and it's, we can't do it without your partnership though. I mean, if, if we don't have students that are willing to come up and climb, then, you know, it's not the event that it's supposed to be. So certainly love the the fact that um, you and a lot of your classmates showed up and, and climbed a lot. Yeah, it and same. it was hot. <laughs> it was very hot that day. But I was in there and a couple of my housemates were there. So we were like, you know, like same thing. It's like little competition. Um, but uh, he's also a Marine. <laughs> yeah. As you're, you know, coming up towards the end of this, what's probably one of your biggest takeaways um, that was kind of revealed to you in your in your last 15 weeks here? Any, anything stand out? I don't know as much as I think I do. Oh, God. That's probably <laughs> one of my biggest things because um, I always go into things very hard-headed. So it's like if I'm right, I'm right, and then it turns out I'm wrong. Um, but 
that confidence has actually helped me out in the long run a lot because a lot of times I am right. And um, most of the questions that I get wrong on tests and things are the ones where I second guess myself. Yeah, that makes good sense. I mean, you've got a good track record, right? I mean, you've been put in difficult positions and difficult situations and had to figure it out. And so you've got a you know great foundation to build from. And hopefully SLTC has given you a great foundation to build your career from. Um, the, I guess the, there's there's always a balance to that, though, right? It's um, you know being right and being confident versus knowing your limits, right? Especially absolutely. as you come up through, you know, the apprenticeship here and and um, knowing what you're prepared for and qualified for and what you're not. Obviously, safety is you know our foundation here, and not getting yourself in trouble whether somebody else is you know prompting it or whether it's coming from within. So. Um, I think that's awesome. So if you were going to um, give someone some advice that's coming into the school in the future, something that you didn't consider or think about or, you know, something that, that kind of faced you that you didn't anticipate, what would that advice be? Um, coming into the school, I think, like, your best bet is, like, focus on the school. You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of guys that, like, on the weekends, like, I understand, like, you're on your weekends, go blow off steam, things like that, but, like, take a little bit of time to, like, just come back, sit down, look at the book, because, you know, like, there's a lot of knowledge in that book, and the instructor can't hold your hand through everything, so there is a good chunk of it that, like, you know, you have to take it upon yourself to learn, and I think that's probably, like, my biggest piece of advice would be do that and then with the cdl like you're uh, i know you're welcome to come like work on the trucks um after school hours and things like like take the time to make sure that you really know this stuff because at the end of the day it's it can be your life or someone else's that's a good word i mean we talk about you know being present um and it's in 15 weeks it goes by really fast i think you will say yeah oh absolutely flown by tremendous amount of knowledge that's out there between instructors and you're being taught a lot in a, in a very compressed period of time. So, you know, you've got this window. Um, and I think it is a, it is a great word that, um, to be, to be present, to be focused on this 15 weeks because it is going to go by fast. I get it. Life happens. There are situations that come up, but I do think you do everything you can you take care of things as much as you can. So when you come here, you can fully focus yes. on the job at hand. Yeah. Uh, also ask questions. Yeah. Ask a lot of questions. That's what I do. I'm sure Greg's ready for <laughs> me to leave. I ask him so many questions. It's not even funny. And it'll be like, um, it, not all your questions have to be like directly related to what was talked about today. Like if you see something like when you're out on the line or when you're climbing, or once you get to that point where you're doing like your double cross arms and things like mm-hmm. that, like, why do we do it this way? Like, why don't we do it like this? Like what you see, like ask the question, you know, like how does this actually work? No, that's great advice as well. And I think a lot of, uh, I mean, it just shows there's wisdom in that, you know, asking why. Um, and I think a good instructor isn't, annoyed or frustrated or aggravated with you asking questions. I think a good instructor likes someone 
you know, wants, wants individuals to ask questions. Um, I know it can be like, well, you know, gosh, you keep, keep asking me this thing or keep asking me something every single day. But I mean, if you're a good teacher, you want, you want your pupil to be inquiring and asking questions because you understand that they're going to learn a lot, a lot more that way. So that's good. I think, I, I think just what I was going to say, even out in the crew, you know, when you get out in the industry, there's going to be more questions. And one of the things that I think that, and I'm, I am speaking on behalf of the instructors just because I've heard a lot of them say this, but students will stay in contact with them. And, you know, if they get on the field, they're, they're going to have, you're going to have questions being able to, you know, contact them back and say, Hey, this is a situation or this is what we're working on. This is what we're doing and, and seeking advice even once you're out of the school. I like the fact that even though, I mean, it may have just been about fishing, but you know, you obviously you spoke with Crockett, you know, we get com- pretty competitive here too, right? With our pole circles, but every instructor has got a little bit of different experience. Um, you know, we have worked at different places. So, um, you know, crossing over and asking other instructors their opinions and their thoughts on certain things is they're all here for your benefit. Right. Um, I think that's, that's great that you've, you've spoken to them. Like I said, even if it's outside of line work, it's, it's a line of communication and it's just another person that you have to reach out to if you're out in the field. Well, Zach, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys story. having me. Yeah. Looking forward to you finishing the next few weeks and, uh, seeing you cross that stage and meeting this fiance of yours. <laughs> yeah. So. Trying not to steal it from me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, um, yeah, best of luck, you know, wherever you go, whatever you do, we will tell you this at graduation night. We're always here. We, we want to celebrate with you. And, we, and if you have any questions or you got into the field and you're like, you know what, man, I didn't realize we were going to do so much of this. Get back to us. Let us know. Let us know how we can get better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Zach, appreciate your time and um, and best of luck to you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Lyman Country Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support us, please make sure to subscribe, share on social media, and leave a rating or review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>